verses 3, 4, and 5. In the Red Pew Bibles, it's on page 950. Romans chapter 16, verses 3, 4, and 5. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Jesus Christ, who risked their necks for my life, to whom I not only give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epanetus, who was the first convert to the church in Asia. God bless the reading, the hearing, and the doing of his word. We encourage you to consider this afternoon coming up to the OFC for the couple's shower that is going to be honoring KJ and Mary Beth. They are soon to be uh, betrothed in marriage uh, next month. And uh, KJ has been telling Mary Beth all about this congregation. You know, she's living up in Tennessee right now. She'll be moving down here soon uh, after their marriage. Um, but don't make a liar out of him uh, as to how great this congregation is. Come and honor them this afternoon and get to know her, meet her. It's an opportunity as a couple shower. It's not just a uh, ladies only shower as typically is the case. So come and, come and meet Mary Beth and spend some time together this afternoon. If I were to as we think about individuals' uh, ideas of, of coupling things together. As humans, we like to couple things together, pair things off. If I were to say peanut butter, you might say jelly, right? We understand that's something that we do as human beings. Uh, some things like peanut butter and jelly go together, not necessarily because they have to go together, but because that's just what we do. We're used to that and we, we're kind of accustomed to that from a cultural standpoint. But some things go together because they have to go together. Think about thunder and lightning, right? Thunder only comes a result, as a result of, of lightning happening. Or, or nuts and bolts. Bolts don't really serve a purpose. Nuts don't really serve a purpose unless they are together. Maybe a bow and an arrow, the same type of thing, right? If you, if you have a bow but no arrow, there's not a whole lot that your bow can do for you. It's not just items, and the, those things that are tangible or inanimate objects that, that go together in that way. We also think about people in that way oftentimes, don't we? Think about Bonnie and Clyde, Abbott and Costello, Hansel and Gretel, those, those names that go together that we, we think of. Maybe if we were to turn our minds to the Bible, we might think of individuals that go together like Paul and Silas or Paul and Barnabas. Maybe even Peter, James, and John, those three individuals that were in Jesus' inner circle as we sometimes call them. Sometimes we think about wedded couples. I think about my mom, mom, and papa that go together. I, I, you know, I think about one, I think about the other, and probably you do the same about your grandparents, but I think about them in the context of what's on our slide here this morning as kingdom couples. As a kingdom couple, my papa was a preacher, he was an elder in the, in the church. My, my, my mom, she served as the church secretary, and they were always working together in that way. They were a kingdom couple. I want to turn our minds this morning to another kingdom couple, perhaps what we might think of one of the preeminent kingdom couples in the Bible, that being Priscilla and Aquila. If you open up your Bibles to Acts chapter number 18, Acts chapter number 18, I'll meet you there here in a moment, but as you're turning there, as you think about Priscilla and Aquila, 
I want you to call to memory what we'll find here in Acts chapter 18 about them. Sometimes we, we use the silly phrase, at least the young people do these days, right? Teamwork makes the dream work. Teamwork makes the dream work. And sometimes the dream for a married couple varies depending on who you are and what your worldview is and what your goal for your life is. I would submit to you this morning that Priscilla and Aquila as a team had one thing in mind and that is that their marriage would be to the glory and to the honor of God. That as a couple, everything that they did and everything that they were about was about for the purpose of honoring and serving their God. Their teamwork was about that. That's what they were trying to accomplish as husband and wife. I want us to do two things this morning with that in mind as their ultimate goal as a team to honor and glorify God. I want us to observe five things that they did in achieving that in Acts chapter number 18. And then the second part of our lesson, we're going to spend some time drawing some application, drawing some lessons for our own marriages, for our own lives today. Perhaps you're not married this morning. Perhaps you are a young person, you've yet to be married, maybe you're a widow, maybe you are someone who maybe never plans to marry, and you might be thinking, well, how is this lesson going to be applicable for me, and what, what are things, what, how is this going to be helpful for me? I, I'll submit, if you'll just hang on just for a little bit, we'll get to something later on in the lesson that I believe will be helpful for us to think about. Even individuals that are single, it's important to think about the importance of a godly marriage, okay? First, let's consider, number one, observing a kingdom couple. Look with me at Acts chapter number 18, as we said a moment ago. Acts chapter number 18, let's begin reading in verse number one. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently, be, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Now notice the parenthetical statement here. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. I want you first to realize that Aquila and Priscilla, as a kingdom couple, as someone, as a couple who were, were focused on and made it their goal to bring honor and glory to God, they worked as a team in times of difficulty. They worked as a team in times of difficulty. That is to say, their marriage demonstrated commitment it demonstrated that they were committed to one another and they were committed to the vows that they would have made before their God. Notice again that parenthetical statement. Did they move to Corinth because they wanted to? No. They went there because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And they being Jewish Christians, Jewish by heritage, now Christians, left there and went to Corinth. There are some marriages in the world today that are often thrown into turmoil because of difficult circumstances. And there are some in this audience this morning that I believe probably are here, maybe in this country even, not of their own choice necessarily, but because where they grew up, maybe it made it difficult for them to live there maybe even to practice their faith there. And so they uprooted their entire family and they moved here to the United States where maybe it was a little bit more welcoming to them and their faith in that regard. I'd submit that the majority of us have not experienced that in this auditorium. Some may have, but think about that. Put yourselves in the shoes of Priscilla and Aquila who uprooted their entire home and moved somewhere else. Does that put a strain on your marriage? Yes. Do you think that 
just as living in our normal day-to-day lives here in our house without ever having to move, are there not sometimes strains that are put on our marriages? Do you not think that this particular strain would have been a difficulty or would have put a strain in some regard on their marriage? Very likely so. But we see that Priscilla and Aquila continue to work together as a team, as a kingdom couple, despite the difficulty that they were enduring. You know, so many in the world, they, they turn to those difficulties in their marriages, and it may not even be a sinful difficulty that has arisen. Maybe it's something with regard to health, or maybe it is the case that some in the world today say, I just, I'm just not in love with that individual as much as I used to be. And when that difficulty sets in, instead of bearing down and making the choice to love, they give in to that difficulty, and they separate that marriage. A kingdom couple, as you think about Aquila and Priscilla, in this particular regard, they honored their vows, they honored their commitment, and they worked as a team in times of difficulty, but continue noticing with me in the next verse. Verse number three, speaking of Paul, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, talking about Priscilla and Aquila, and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. Notice the first part of this verse. They worked as a team in times of hospitality. They worked as a team in times of hospitality. Paul came to Corinth and he stayed with Aquila and Priscilla. Now you think about it, if you look to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul speaks of his time of when he came to the church at Corinth, probably in the most part because of, uh, in regard to how he came with regard to the gospel. But it seems that often it was the case as Paul moved from place to place, he was on the run. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 3, he says that he came to them and he was in, in meekness and fear and trembling. I wonder if Priscilla and Aquila, as individuals that had been on the run at one point, understood what it was like, and as a result, being hospitable to Paul, this missionary, this one who was going from place to place, they welcomed him into their home. They were hospitable. They were kind. Not only then were they hospitable. Go back to our scripture reading in Romans chapter 16. Hold your finger there in Acts chapter 18, and look at Romans chapter 16 that uh, Brother Kent Bruno read just a moment ago. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Verse number four, who risked their own necks for my life. They were hospitable. I don't know, maybe he's referencing here perhaps when he came and stayed with them, maybe there were some people after him and they risked their own necks for his life. Now notice, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet the church that is in their house. It seems that Aquila and Priscilla were not only hospitable to Paul when he was on his missionary journeys, but they're also hospitable to the church where they were. The local church met in their home. The local church maybe, likely was often the case, was worshiping in their home, but I would probably venture to say it carried out to more than just the worship, but also the fellowship that took place in their home. They worked together as a team in times of hospitality. But notice also that in that same verse in Acts chapter 18, going back there, that they also work together as a team in times of industry. They work together as a team in times of industry. By that, I mean they were industrious, both of them. It said that Paul was of the same trade. He stayed with them and worked for by occupation. They, both of them, were tent makers. The idea here is that for any home to work, 
both husband and wife need to be giving <coughs> effort to helping that home be uh, provided for, to be provided for. In our day and age, we generally think about, at least uh, it had been in the past and somewhat still is today, that perhaps the husband is the breadwinner and the wife stays home as the homemaker or, or whatever it may be. But, but even still, as maybe the, the wife is out as the, as the breadwinner or, or both of them out working. Here we find Aquila and Priscilla both working. The point is, they were both industrious. Neither of them were lazy. Neither of them were idle. Both of them were seeing fit to the fact that their house was, and their home was provided for. We understand sometimes the world looks at a marriage and they consider a marriage uh, relationship to be 50% and 50%. That is one gives 50% and the other gives 50%. But any marriage that has lasted for any period of time knows, any godly marriage knows that a marriage relationship is 100% from the husband and 100% from his wife. That is, both of these individuals, as industrious individuals that were giving time and effort to making sure that the household was run and taken care for and prepared, uh, 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 provided for, that they were neither of them lazy, but they were both industrious. They were both seeing fit to their home being provided for. Continue on later on in the chapter with me and look at verse number 18. Paul stays a period of time there in Corinth, but he decides to sail on. In verse number 18, so Paul remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria. But notice, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Sincrea, for he had taken a vow, and he came to Ephesus and left them, that is Priscilla and Aquila, there. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. We find that Priscilla and Aquila weren't just about the things that were going on in their own city, but they also had a passion for, a heart toward ministry, even beyond the borders of their own hometown. Now, Paul took them with him on an overseas mission trip, the two of them together. So beautiful to think about, interesting to think about, a husband and wife going on a mission trip together. Why did Paul take them? We don't know. But again, these individuals had been through some difficulty, had they not? Their home had been uprooted, and now they'd moved to Corinth. Paul sees them and says, you know what? Maybe they're the ones that understand what it's like to go ahead and move somewhere else and serve the, the, for the gospel's sake in that regard. Have you ever thought about it that certain husbands and wives can minister to others in, in ways that maybe other husbands and wives cannot because of what they've been through? Priscilla and Aquila had been through this difficulty of having their lives uprooted, and now Paul was using that for the glory of God by taking them with him. Pretty neat to think about. What, is, what has your marriage been through? Maybe infertility. Maybe the loss of a, of a, a son or a daughter. Maybe, maybe you've been through marital conflict, but now you've resolved those things and you're working together to, again for the glory and honor of God and you see another younger couple that is struggling. Maybe you have an opportunity to minister to them because of what you've been through. Priscilla and Aquila worked as a team in times of ministry. But then notice finally in Acts chapter 18, verse, let's begin reading verse 24, that they worked together as a team in times of privacy. They worked together as a team in times of privacy. Let's begin reading verse 24. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. Now notice verse 26. 
So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. Now exactly how this conversation took place, I don't know. We don't have the privilege of understanding all of what took place and how we uh, harmonize this with thinking about things like 1 Timothy chapter 2 and that when it comes to teaching that, that the role of the husband or the role of a man is to have the authority in that position and that the woman is not to usurp the authority of a man. But it seems here that this team here is working together for the glory of God, even in a matter of privacy. Put yourselves in the shoes of these three individuals as this conversation is happening. I would venture to say, as it is the case today, that anytime truth or doctrine is questioned or is uncertain, maybe people are uncertain about it, that there is usually some tension that goes along with it because both sides think that they're right. And I doubt it was the case that, that Apollos wasn't maybe a little bit hesitant to hear something out from someone else because as a human tendency, we always already think that we're right, do we not? I would suggest to you that there is something settling about a godly woman in a tenuous conversa- conversation. Now, not, not always because sometimes both men and women, both can be contentious. They can be individuals that maybe add fuel to the fire But when a godly woman is brought into this conversation, it seems that maybe that's what helped. Both Priscilla and Aquila involved in this matter of privacy. There have been times in my ministry, especially with the youth, that my wife was invaluable. There are things that that she can do and help in in conversations perhaps with teenage girls that I can't be involved with and, and we're able to work together as a team in that regard. We think about a godly couple Aquila and Priscilla working together as a team in matters of privacy. So let's consider three ways that we can apply some of these things to our own lives and our own marriages. Consider with me learning from a kingdom couple, number one, as we've already alluded to, that our marriages should strive to be God-honoring. Our marriages should strive to be God-honoring. What is the purpose of marriage I listened to an individual on a, on a worldwide podcast here recently try to explain to this other individual why heterosexual monogamous marriage was important. And he tried to allude to the fact that it was just for the procreative uh, purposes. He didn't allude to the fact that especially, primarily, that godly couples, husbands and wives that are honoring God are doing so for his glory That's what our marriages are about. Our marriages should strive to be God-honoring, and so God-honoring marriages are concerned about his glory. You think about 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 31. Therefore, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Yes, that's talking about me as an individual especially, but could that not be also applied to our marriages? Are our marriages not also for the honor and glory of God? As we said, sometimes in the world, people think about their marriages. What can I get out of this marriage? Maybe it's sexual fulfillment. Maybe it is benefit for tax purposes. Maybe it's because it just makes me feel good that I have a companion, I have a partner. But what we understand from scripture is that the marriage bond between a man and a woman is not for any of those things solely, but especially and primarily for the glory of God. 
Think about Joshua chapter 24 and verse number 15. As Joshua said to the people, choose you this day whom you will serve. Talks about all the people that had been served in the area that they were going to, but he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That is to say that this is a joint endeavor that we are in this together. My entire house, my entire household, we are for the purpose of serving and honoring and glorifying God. That's what a God-honoring marriage looks like, and that's what a God-honoring marriage thinks about. God-honoring marriages, number two, are concerned about his covenant. They're concerned about his covenant. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number four, let, let marriage be held in honor among all and the marriage bed kept undefiled. We pointed out earlier that maybe some of us in here are not married. Maybe we're a young person. Maybe we're a widow. Maybe we've never married. But as we think about Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, there's something to be said to every single one of us that all of us should be holding the marriage bond in honor. What do we mean by that? Well, we could think about it in this way as we think about the world around us giving credence to marriages that are not authorized in scripture, okay? We can think about it in that way. We can also think about it as a young person or someone who's not married. That is, holding marriage in honor looks like not giving into sexual temptations and sexual desires that are reserved for and only for the marriage bond. That looks like doing that gives honor to glory and glory to God and his covenant, the marriage bond, holding in honor but also you think about 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, in which husbands are to dwell with their wives according to knowledge, and that they are to look at their wives and understand their wives and consider their wives as the weaker vessel to reverence them and to hold them in respect, to honor them in that way as heirs together in the grace of life. God-honoring marriages are concerned about his covenant, the promise that we've made to one another, so we've considered individuals that are not married. Now we're considering individuals that are married. That is, we've made a covenant. We've made a, a binding contract, if you will, before God that says, I am committed to this individual. How do we bring honor and glory to God through our marriage? By sticking it out even when times are difficult. By saying that I'm going to hold to my covenant, my, my vows that I made in sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, all those things that we say. We understand that honoring God looks like not only using our marriage and our household for his glory, but also being concerned about his covenant and what that looks like. And as we taught our, uh, as we've been teaching our, our children at night, right, what's God's plan for marriage? The other night, one of them said, uh, one man, one woman, four lives, she said. One man, one woman, four lives. No, one, one, one woman, one man, four life. That's what God's plan for marriage is. Not four lives, four life. God-honoring marriages are concerned about his covenant and holding to that covenant and honoring the commitment that you've made. Finally, consider this. God-honoring marriages are also concerned about his people. They're also concerned about his people. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 10 Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, but especially those of the household of faith. Especially those of the household of faith. You know, sometimes it might be our tendency, it might be our propensity to want to withdraw, 
to just be homebodies and, and only be concerned about our, our own home, our own family. And yes, that is our prior, primary uh, responsibility, our priority. But also as we think about kingdom couples being God-honoring, it's also thinking about how can I serve other people, especially those that are in the church? How can I help them? How can I encourage them? How can, I, how can we use our marriage to bless them? How can we use our household, our home? Our house is not just to be plastered on a magazine and looking so beautiful in that way, but rather it's to be used in a hospitable way, perhaps. Thinking about how we can bless other people. Our marriages should strive to be God-honoring. Consider, secondly, our marriages are better when we are together. Our marriages are better when we are together. Now, I've got to be careful as I say this because my wife went on a, on a two or three day shopping trip uh, without me a couple days ago, okay? So I'm not saying it's wrong to be apart for any length of time, to spend time apart or away from each other, but understand this, our marriages are better when we're together, not apart all the time, as sometimes you see in the world, marriages are like that. You understand that years ago I was, I was working at a retail store and just before we got married, one of my coworkers said, you know what the secret to success in a marriage is? This guy told me, you figure out what you like to do. She needs to figure out what she likes to do. Let each of you do it and leave each other alone. That's what, that's what the advice was that was given to me before I was married by someone who I worked with in the world. Really? Is that how we have successful marriages? Someone else told me one time, you need to find, before I ever found Aaron, she said, you need to find a woman who lets you go and, and hunt and fish whenever you want to go and do that. Again, the idea here is that these individuals are thinking about marriage as self-serving, not God-honoring. And our marriages are better when we're together. We've left it till now to say this, but have you, have you realized, did you know, that every verse in the Bible that has the name Aquila also has the name Priscilla? There's to say, everywhere that Aquila is found, Priscilla is found. And everywhere Priscilla is found, Aquila is found. We've all six of those verses or seven of those verses on the screen, whatever it is. Our marriages are better when we are together. This is God's analysis. Turn quickly to Genesis chapter number two. Remember what happened in the garden when God created Adam? In Genesis chapter two, what did he realize? What did he see? What did he observe? Not as though God didn't know this beforehand, but it's communicated to us in this way. Genesis chapter two, verse number 18, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Our marriages are better when we're together. This is God's analysis. It's not, it's not good for man to be alone. And he made us a helpmeet, a helper. So he made Adam Eve. But not only that, it's not only God's analysis, but it's also God's aspiration. Look a few verses later, verse number 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You know, there are some cases where in-laws try to insert themselves into that one flesh too much. That is to say that this is now God's aspiration that married couples are together and that they are now working together as that married couple for the honor and glory of God. This is God's aspiration, and we cannot do that effectively when we are apart from one another all of the time. Again, not wrong to go our separate ways, occasionally do the things we like to do apart from one another, but is, is it more clear that you are together, or is it more clear that you are apart all the time? 
a kingdom couple, concerned about God's kingdom, concerned about what can they do for the glory of God, says, we're going to be together, we're going to be serving and working together as often as we can. Finally this morning, I want us to consider the value of kingdom couples to the local church, that it is incalculable. The value of kingdom couples to the local church is incalculable. If I were before this lesson to have asked you to make a top 10 list, perhaps of the most influential individuals in the New Testament church from scripture, what would, what would those top 10 individuals be? And before this lesson, would you have listed Aquila and Priscilla on that list? Maybe, but probably not. They're maybe not the ones that come to the forefront of our minds. We'd think about Paul. We'd think about Peter. We would think about Timothy. We would think about uh, 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 maybe Silas and Barnabas and all these individuals, but, but Aquila and Priscilla? I love this quote I found as I was preparing for this lesson, and I, I believe it really sums up what we're trying to say about kingdom couples this morning. Priscilla and Aquila viewed their marriage as a ministry to whosoever crossed their pathway. Vocationally, they were not missionaries, although they did missionary work. They were not counselors, although they did some counseling. They were not preachers, although they hosted the church in their home. They were not evangelists, though they spread the gospel like crazy. They were business people, tent makers, remember? But whatever they did, they did for the kingdom, for the gospel. They did it for the glory of God. The value of kingdom couples to the local church is incalculable, and I can promise you that it is seen here in this local body. We could take the time to name so many names, but here's just a few that come to mind in my mind. Kingdom couples like Woodrow and Leanna Coleman. There's a good chance that if you've been in the hospital or a loved one of yours has been in the hospital, they've been to see you. Kingdom couples working together. The idea is when you think of one, you think of the other because they go together in that way. I think about Joe and Karen Brewer working together in that way all the time, industrious, never idle, never lazy. If the church had more Joe and Karen Brewers in it, we'd be better off. I think about Boone and Ashley Mashburn who often host widows in their home and feed them meals. Perhaps you have been a beneficiary of one of those meals and maybe rides to worship. I think about Jaime and Gladys Mejia literally going overseas on mission trips together. The list could go on. And because I haven't listed your name this morning doesn't mean that you're not a kingdom couple. It's just those are some ones that come to mind right away in my mind that really exhibit this working together for the glory and honor of God in our marriages. May we all strive to be like that. Why do we talk about it with our young people at the front each Sunday evening? When I grow up, if I choose to get married, I'm going to marry a Christian. Why? because we want to honor and glorify God. And it's really hard to do that, to be truthfully honest with you. It's really hard, hard to do that if you're not on the same page together. Though you can do it as an individual, 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, the, the wife of an unbelieving husband can certainly honor and glorify God in that marriage by the way that she is uh, submitting to him and, and uh, winning him over even without a word. But I would reckon to say, that more honor and glory can be brought to God when we're working together. And again, it's really hard to do that when we're not on the same page, when we're not serving the same God. This morning, if you are married, I'd urge you to, to work together with your spouse. Strive to be a kingdom couple. 
If you're not married yet, think about that. Look for someone who will be a spouse for you later on who can be part of that kingdom couple equation because the more kingdom couples we have, the more honor and glory is brought to God. Perhaps you're not a Christian this morning and you want to know more about what it means to be even in the kingdom. We'd love to study with you. All it takes is walking down the aisle, sitting here on the front row. I'll talk to you. One of the elders will talk to you. How can we sit together and study with you? Are you ready to be baptized? Whatever the case may be, if there's anything we can do, why don't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.